The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. There is a multi-billion dollar industry today of escapism from reality. Movies, amusement parks, travel agents, restaurants, shopping malls, all try to convince us that life is fun and trouble-free. Let the good times roll. But even in peaceful, ordinary days when our faith is not being particularly challenged or tested, we have to be wise to redeem the time. In the good times as well as the bad times, we must constantly be building up our faith. Then, if we receive distressing news and circumstances suddenly bring us back to reality, where can we turn and whose report will you believe? The choices you make today will make all the difference. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. In the Bible, Isaiah 53 and verse 1 asks two vital questions. Who hath believed our report? In other words, who has believed the message contained in this supernatural book, the Bible? The verse goes on to ask, And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now the word report is from the Hebrew word shema, meaning to hear. This is because Romans 10:17 declares that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so I'm not surprised to discover that many times in the Bible the word report has a double meaning of not only hearing but also obeying. So we must hear and then obey the report of the Lord. But Satan's target is constantly filling our minds with his lies and deceptions because he's the father of lies. And our minds must be constantly renewed and upgraded by this word. We need to download it. And this is our weapon. Whose report will you believe? We must believe the report of the Lord. Now Isaiah 53.1 also asks a second vital question. It asks, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Oh, now, that's a very important question. This means revelation is going to be involved. Not everyone will get it. Not everyone, unfortunately, will be supported by the arm of the Lord. In the Bible, the arm of the Lord is an idiomatic expression indicating the support, the strength, the help, the vindication of the Lord that's given to believers who do His will. The Hebrew word for revealed means to be uncovered, to become clear. So the Lord's report and the arm of the Lord always require the ears and eyes of faith. British evangelist and author T. Austin Sparks, one of my favorites, made the observation that Isaiah 53 is the most comprehensive chapter in the entire Bible. In a sense, Isaiah 53 is the Bible in a nutshell. The entire Bible and the story of salvation can be comprehended by understanding the prophetic content 
concerning the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. And actually, the suffering servant, this whole passage begins in the preceding chapter 52, starting with verse 13, which says, Behold, my servant shall deal wisely. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. But it goes on to say that many will be astonished at him because his vigils, his uh, countenance was marred more than any man. But he shall sprinkle many nations. He'll cleanse many nations and so forth. And then Isaiah 53 and verse 5 prophesies that the Savior would be wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brings us peace was placed upon him. And by his wounds, by his stripes, we're healed. So this passage of the Bible is often called the gospel in the Old Testament. In fact, the suffering servant verses contain information referred to by the prophet Isaiah as a report, meaning a statement of divine truths and facts concerning atonement and redemption. The prophet Isaiah plainly prophesied that Messiah would suffer before entering into his glory. But tragically, this incredibly important report of salvation for sinners through the redemptive work of the Son of God is too often rejected and disregarded. Well, in all generations, we have to be so careful not to put God in the proverbial box. The Jewish people of Jesus' day expected Messiah to appear as a conquering king. But instead, he grew up as a tender plant with no impressive pomp, no military might. And he endured our sentence of death, and he made a substitutionary atonement at the cross for all of mankind, for everyone who will believe on his name. Even after Jesus performed many indisputable signs, the religious leaders of his day wouldn't openly believe in him. In fact, the Gospel of John, chapter 12, quotes Isaiah 53 and says, This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Actually, it's a mistake for churches to become anti-Semitic against the Jews for rejecting Jesus because it wasn't even possible for them to believe at that time. Because as Isaiah prophesied, they were given a judicial blindness by God so that they couldn't see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts and turn to the Lord to be healed at that time. Their national reception of Jesus, Yeshua is his Hebrew name, will still be in the future for the most part. Although there have always been Jewish believers who follow Jesus, in order to form what the New Testament calls the one new man of Jew and Gentile grafted together in God's olive tree. So there's no use pointing the finger at the Jews because there's also a judicial blindness on the nations as well. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 plainly states that Satan, whom the Bible calls the God of this world, and that's only temporary, he has blinded the minds of unbelievers 
so that they can't see the light of the glorious gospel. And that's why it's our duty as intercessors to loose people to the spirit of salvation in intercessory prayer. Despite a judicial blindness from God, yet we must never forget that even among the Jewish leaders, many did secretly believe in Jesus when he came the first time. It was only due to political correctness and fear of the Pharisees that they wouldn't openly acknowledge their faith in him. They didn't want to be excommunicated. But hallelujah, the Lord has always had faithful disciples who believed this report especially the early church of Jewish believers. Furthermore, and this is so powerful, one of the main points I want to make in this program today, Psalm 112 and verse 7 declares that the people who believe God's report will never suffer from a craven fear of bad news. This is because the gospel makes their hearts fixed. Their hearts are steadfast, steady, trusting in the Savior. A good man, a good woman who believes the report of the Lord can never be shaken. Trusting in the Lord is the best and surest way of being steadfast and immovable. We have to understand, for example, that there's a right way and a wrong way to pray. Every day we must pour out our hearts before the Lord in childlike faith and trust without bitter complaining, and then go about our business with a light heart, totally trusting him for every outcome. And one rendering of Psalm 112 verse 7 is that the person who trusts in the Lord shall not be afraid of evil hearing. Instead, we will often laugh the laugh of faith when we hear distressing news. So if you're filled with alarm when you hear bad news, if you lose your composure, how are you any different from people who don't know the Lord and who have never experienced his peace? But a true believer has a new nature enabling us to face trials with dignity, with serenity, and in the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. For example, when I was in my early 30s, I was suddenly attacked with a sickness that brought me within one inch of my life. And I give all the glory to God that I was able to leave the doctor who attended me to a saving knowledge of the Lord because he said he had never seen anyone so calm in the face of impending death. And again, I give glory to the Lord for his keeping power. We don't fear a diagnosis because our hearts are fixed. But when something bad happens, unprincipled people who don't really know God will often strike out in anger at the Lord. They'll murmur and complain bitterly against God. But whining and complaining are a terrible habit that really provoke the Almighty. And I'm continually impressed by the behavior of some of the religious Orthodox Jews in Israel in the face of terrorism that they are enduring. Time and time again, as Jewish people in Israel are terrorized and dealt the most savage blows, I'm impressed with the dignity of how many of them respond, especially religious Jews who possess a real faith in the Almighty. 
Take, for example, the dignity of the parents of the three young men who were kidnapped at a hitchhiking station and murdered. The dignity of the three mothers was remarkable through the entire ordeal. They didn't cry and scream and fall about in a heap. I'm also impressed by the dignity and testimony of Pastor Thurman Scribner, who has a great healing ministry in the United States. He didn't fear bad news and he didn't fall apart when he faced the greatest test of his life. A number of years ago, one Saturday morning, he and his wife got up early and told each other goodbye for the day, never dreaming it would be the last time that they would ever see one another in this world. It was to be his greatest test of faith. That morning, Pastor Thurman went to preach at a church in Texas when a police officer walked in the back door. The policeman said there had been a tragic highway accident and Thurman's wife of 41 years and his daughter were killed instantly. But surviving in the backseat of the car in very critical condition were two children and one of them was his granddaughter. At that moment of bad news, Pastor Thurman remembered what the book of Job said in the Bible when Satan was allowed to attack Job's home. The Bible says, and Job worshipped the Lord. So Thurman didn't fall apart. The arm of the Lord upheld him. You see, a true believer's heart is fixed. So he and his congregation worshipped the Lord for a few moments and thanked the Lord for his faithfulness and his promises. And then Thurman went to the medical center and his faith helped to heal those two young survivors. Hallelujah. A person whose heart is fixed is prepared for anything because we don't walk alone. A fixed heart is also the result, I believe, of habitual trust. You see, we can form habits of trusting God just as we can form any habit. Those people who trust in the Lord aren't crushed beyond hope by calamities that happen in the family, at work, in natural disasters, in financial trials, in sudden sickness, disasters in the church of God, or in Israel. Because we know that God has a plan and he's bringing history to a culmination. So we've got to eliminate the terrible scourge of doubt and unbelief from our vocabularies. How many times in these programs have I tried to teach on Proverbs 18.21, which says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. God is asking this perverse generation, who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord going to be revealed? We have to think of the gospel of Jesus as a good report. Do you remember the 10 spies in the Old Testament who were sent on a mission to spy out the promised land? But they brought condemnation on their generation because they brought back an evil report. But the gospel is written as a love letter from the Father of lights, and it was carried down to us by Jesus the Savior. This gospel is a true and faithful report that we may safely trust. And it's an infallible report because the word of God cannot lie. The Bible testifies of itself that it's a faithful saying that 
Jesus, the anointed one, came to save and pardon sinners. The gospel is also a health report by the great physician who promises to cure all diseases of soul and body. And this report of peace, purchased by the blood of Jesus for poor sinners and offered freely to all. Faith believes this report and faith receives it. You see, a friend wrote to me the other day that she's trying to believe God for healing from various ailments and infirmities. But then she mentioned two men of God who died without an obvious healing miracle. But I told her every time we get our eyes off of God and off of his word onto fallible people with all of their foibles and frailties, we will fail to trust God and his word. The prayer of faith will bring answers, but sometimes our faith needs healing. Sometimes it's weakened, and when we pray, we have to admit, if we're honest, that many times we're praying with doubt in our heart. And that doesn't count with God, you see. The enemy of our souls constantly whispers when we pray that God won't answer this time. He whispers that God's report is not reliable. Satan slanders God all the time to us, but we need to learn to rise up and resist, to rebuke and to overcome these lies. Instead of giving in to the devil's lies, we need to repudiate his insinuations and say out loud, well, since Jesus promised healing in this word, he's no liar. And so I guarantee that these promises will work because 2 Corinthians 120 says that all of the promises of God in him are yes and amen. And so that means that all of God's promises in this Bible are informative, are yes in him. And so through him, we can affirm amen to the glory of God. If we know and believe that God always says yes to his promises, then we can have confidence and a fixed heart to say, Lord, I thank you. The answer is mine. I'm going to stand on your promises. And so we need to listen to Mark 11:23, and check ourselves out if we're praying with any doubt in our hearts. Because Jesus said in that verse, truly I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. You see, that's a very important clause. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Now, why do you suppose Jesus mentioned a big thing like a mountain for us to command to move? Why not something smaller and less daunting? But he didn't want us to put limitations on his power. We have to believe in our heart and not just in our head. It doesn't work when you're believing in your head. And so how can you tell? You, you can always tell when someone is believing in faith in their heart and when they're not just hoping. And how is that? Well, when you pray with someone for a healing or any kind of answer or check yourself, ask, ask afterwards, what do you think? Can I say it's done because it's written and guaranteed in this book by God's faithfulness that my mountain is being removed by faith? 
and the answer is on its way. But if we say, on the other hand, well, I'll have to wait and see, then we know that we haven't really believed God and we haven't really prayed in faith. We've prayed with doubt in our heart. But Jesus says we shouldn't do that. Rather, he says, ask, seek, knock, and it shall be open to us for everyone, he says, who asks, who seeks and knocks. They'll get an answer. He tells us exactly how to do it, to act in faith. But doubt and unbelief will rob us of answers. So I want to encourage you to continue to believe and not give up. God honors the trial of faith. This issue of time is where many people just give up. And as I said to my friend this week who wrote to me about healing, doubting God's willingness to heal is a big mistake, especially to look at individuals and conclude that because they weren't healed that God doesn't want to heal you. But his word never fails. Sometimes we humans do. All of his promises are yes and amen. And so if you look at human beings rather than at the word of God, I would at least encourage you to look at a man of faith, somebody like evangelist David Hathaway. He's in his 80s, but he's still going strong with the strength of a younger evangelist. Thank God his faith hasn't failed. Twice he's been hit with cancer, but rather than putting himself into the hands of doctors, he allowed the great physician to heal him. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong, per se, with consulting a doctor. But sooner or later, a strong believer must learn to make the Lord our primary physician. You see, in days ahead, things may get so chaotic that we may have no other recourse for healing except to believe God. So now is the time to prepare and build our faith. You see, when you're in the middle of a crisis, it's hard suddenly to have faith. You also have to learn to resist lying symptoms. Because don't forget, Jesus himself said that Satan is the father of lies, and he tries to put heavy things on us big time. I'll never forget years ago reading about the wife of a man of God who was diagnosed with breast cancer. But they prayed about it, and the Holy Spirit told them it was a lying symptom. They never sought treatment, and she was never sick from the original symptom because they got the Lord's word on the matter. I also want to tell you about a close friend of mine who about 10 years ago was not afraid of sudden bad news because she had built up her faith for many years. One day, suddenly, she experienced overwhelming symptoms that seemed to come out of nowhere. And her family took her to the emergency room, and she was diagnosed as having had a heart attack. But she asked her husband to call me immediately for prayer, and he also called another prayer line. The doctor said that they were going to give her an injection right away that might cause a stroke. But she had the presence of mind, of course, to pray, Lord, protect me from this. She knew that she was in the hands of the Lord. So she told the doctor confidently, I will not have a stroke as a result of this injection. And this is what I mean by Proverbs 18.21 which says death and life are in the power of the tongue. We need to constantly confess that. 
Next, my friend was wheeled into a coronary care unit and wired up to monitors. But the following morning, she felt like nothing had happened. Her color was normal, and she felt so good that she got out of the bed and walked around. But quickly, the medical personnel rushed her back in bed and told her that she couldn't do that because she was a sick woman. But again, my friend said, don't ever call me a sick woman because I'm not a sick woman. The Lord is my healer. Hallelujah. Next, a doctor introduced himself as the heart surgeon who was going to perform surgery to insert a stent. But my friend said, I won't be needing that procedure. She said it by faith, and sure enough, they gave her a scan, and the doctor said that they could hardly find any scarring anywhere. So they told her, come back if you have any problems in the next 30 or 40 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love this story because my friend chose to put her trust and faith in the Lord, our healer, and not in medical science or prescription drugs. And the Lord has faithfully kept her since that trial of faith. She was healed by the prayer of faith, and the Lord raised her up. Well, not everybody has pressed into God to attain that level of faith, but I'm convinced the Lord is delighted by it, and He honors men and women of faith with divine health if we'll earnestly contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's people. I praise the Lord that in this world there are some genuine people who fear and serve the Lord. And they're happy people because they intimately know their God. They're strong and they do exploits. In other words, they take positive action owing entirely to the Lord's grace and enabling power. Amen. Well, we'd like to invite you to believe in and trust in the report of the Lord in this Bible. The news media are not very trustworthy, but the good news contained in this report is life-changing and life-sustaining. These are dangerous and uncertain days, but there's one thing that's like a rock, a sure foundation to stand upon and support you, and that's the Lord and His book. The Lord Himself never changes. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God asks, who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He wants to put his arm around you and support you in these end times. So what must you do to be saved? All you must do is turn from sin and from your own self-sufficiency to save yourself and put your trust in the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. The Bible promises all who call upon his name shall be saved. Won't you do that right now? Because today is the day of salvation. We're not promised tomorrow. We only have this present moment. Amen. I'd also like to invite you to visit our website at exploits.tv where you can view any of our videos online at any time, day or night. We also post news articles about Israel and end-time prophecy, and we post important items for prayer for watchmen on the walls and intercessors. And we send out an electronic news magazine called Exploits that you can receive by signing up at our website, along with a link to all of our new videos. And at our events page, 
You can read details about our speakers and schedule for our upcoming prayer convocations. And please tell your friends about our website and connect with us on the social media. And so until next time, contending for the faith and praying always for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Darig. Shalom. Recently, we received the good news that our Jerusalem channel has reached almost four and a half million views. Our online streaming video was watched in places as diverse as Russia, India, Nigeria, Indonesia, and Saudi Arabia. What a privilege to share the gospel around the world and make it available free of charge. But although we have hundreds and thousands learning Bible truths 24-7, there's only a tiny handful of viewers who are willing to actually stand with our ministry to help support this outreach. Every minute of video streaming costs money. So if you find our programs a blessing to your spiritual growth, please consider being a part of this outreach, first in Jerusalem, then to Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In the United States, we're a tax-deductible charity, and you can call us toll-free at 1-888-245-2692. In the UK, we're also a registered charity, and you can call us at 300 561 5 At our website, you can make a donation by credit or debit card anytime. Thank you for being a part of the Jerusalem Channel.